<clears throat> All right, welcome back. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, January 26th, already the end of January 2022. This is part three of the discussion, the veiled mind or the 3D veiled mind. And today I want to uh, just take some of the what I consider most pertinent quotes about the veiling uh, from the page Love One search results, loveone.info, search results for the word veil. Uh, regarding <clears throat> the logoic, uh, the, the Ra's comment on the logo, logos <laughs> uh, design of the veil under which we have 3D conscious mind today here, or what is the case for the humans on Earth, planet Earth. The nature of what's needed for graduation to fourth density. And then <clears throat> a few uh, pages from Wikipedia, as I started last week, on um, common forms of self-deception. Now, the veil, as a curtain between conscious-subconscious, uh as establishing positions three and four in the series of seven archetypes of mind, <clears throat> position three and four being catalyst and experience, uh, there wasn't a distinction between catalyst and experience before the veil. There wasn't a phenomenon we could call catalyst and an individualized, individualized response to it that we call uh, experience, cards three and four. And that's um, a big deal. Uh, and then we have this group of souls here. <laughs> and then we have Orion, uh, within this group of souls, Orion influencing. And the negatives, 3D negatively oriented, uh, doing their darndest to keep souls trapped in third density. Akin to uh, Lucifer or Satan tempting souls and bringing them to hell by their own free will which we see in a big way today, I'd say. The tempting or luring or seducing uh, people to their own self-harming, which is akin to <clears throat> thickening the veil or further um, further nescience, nations, ignorance, or unknowing of our self-nature, true nature, or the law of one, or unity, or God, or multidimensionality, and life purpose. All the essentials of life uh, further hidden, further um, denied, and um, disabled from life expression. Uh, absolutely, that's one of the purposes of uh, mass media, brainwashing, uh, demoralization agendas, and all of that. So if we go back to the beginning, <clears throat> to some degree, uh, Love 1, Session 90, Question 12, Don's asking, was there a reason for choosing the forms that have evolved upon this planet, and if so, what was it? The reason the Logos chose to invest bipedal apes uh, with the spirit complex, <clears throat> presumably 75,000 years ago, that led to the beginning of humanity on Earth. So again, the, the, the overarching view here is that we can't deeply understand the veil and the present time. We can't understand the present time on Earth and our own 
continued um, distress to whatever degree, living here as many things fall apart around us or are increasingly distorted without understanding <clears throat> what's going on on this planet and thus solar system history and thus logoic design and the very investment of what type of body becomes human on this planet. In Ra, this answer we said bef- we looked at before, Ra said, we're not entirely sure why our, our logos and several neighboring logoi of approximately the same space-time of flowering, <clears throat> meaning in this sector of the galaxy, chose the bipedal erect form so that the, the bipedal human form that we're seeing three-day souls here is not is shared among various planets in this galactic sector, which uh, UFO studies will uh, reaffirm. So, <clears throat> we're not entirely sure why our logos and several na- neighboring logo logoi of approximately the same space-time of flowering chose the bipedal erect form of the second-density apes to invest. It's been our supposition which we share with you as long as you are aware that this is mere opinion, that our Logos was interested in, shall we say, further intensifying the veiling process by offering to the third density form the near complete probability for the development of speech taking complete precedence over concept communication or telepathy. We also have the supposition that the so-called opposable thumb was looked upon as an excellent means of intensifying the veiling, the veiling process, so that rather than rediscovering the powers of the mind, the third density entity would, by the form of its physical manifestation, be drawn to the making, holding, and using of physical tools. <clears throat> so we got two things going on. We've got the investment of second in, of, of spirit complex investment of spirit complex into second density apes um, that it's and then the development of the opposable thumb like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey uh, the beginning uh, man the toolmaker you know proto-human the toolmaker makes the bone into a weapon uh, under direction of the black monolith <laughs> or Saturn so, du- dual veiling intensification, dual intensification of the veiling, the choice of, of animal form, ape, and then that uh, development, very deliberate, of the opposable thumb. So, the logos clearly, the logo here are clearly uh, deeply interested in intensifying the veiling. Let's just play it, man, and see what happens. All right. So, further intensifying by putting spirit complex into the apes, further intensifying, uh, an excellent means of intensifying uh, to um, gen, you know, gen, generate the uh, morphology of opposable thumb. In both cases, that, that's the basis of, I mean, humanity... Um, the, the humanity, er, er, human civilization, the materialist, the materialism, the nihilism, the anti-religiosity, the anti-spiritualism, the lust for worldly power, the lust for social position, the lust for 
sensual pleasure and material goods. The definition of well-being with uh, material uh, sufficiency. The conflict between uh, uh, so-called true values or spiritual values or uh, uh, moral values and material values. Uh, characterizing human civilization, you know, from uh, the beginning. Certainly pronounced in Atlantis and in the last 3,000 years. All that came from this choice of the Logos to, number one, take the bipedal ape as the form to be used by third-density souls in the 3D cycle and then to invest or add to that ape the opposable thumb. And interestingly, uh, again, the, the basis of everything we see today is this, because this is the form of the body that 3D souls are using here on this planet at this time, or have been for the last 75,000 years. Interestingly, both of these choices have their own uh, consequences, both of which we can see manifesting in countless ways in today's civilization. One... <clears throat> the ape giving so it's interesting there are a couple of phrases that are duplicated or repeated here the phrase uh, intensifying the veiling (laughs) twice found here so the logos interested in further intensifying the veiling by choosing the ape that then offers the near complete probability for development of speech Taking complete, so there's the there, there's the phrase intensifying the veiling we see here twice, and the word complete in a phrase twice. Near complete probability for development of speech, taking complete precedence over concept communication or telepathy. So it's ne- it's nearly a hundred percent certain uh, that with this body form of the ape we would have this experience that speech takes total, it totally dominates telepathy. There's no telepathy, there's nearly no telepathy in Earth humanity, ever, has never been. Now, yes, earlier groups, Lemurian times, were more in touch with nature and um, more psychic, more astral, like, you know, Aboriginal culture and dream time, definitely more psychically aware at the astral level. But they're still communicating with their mouths and words, actually, at the physical, mainly. Um, And so near complete, um, the the nearly 100% certainty, the near certainty that um, communication would be mediated by speech, not telepathy. Many, many other 3D groups do telepathy. Then the other means of intensifying veiling being the opposable thumb. Uh, Excellent means of veiling. Excellent. Oh, oh, it's so excellent. Excellent to intensify the veiling. Um, Again, so that rather than rediscovering powers of mind, excuse me, powers of mind, and that's what happens, that without the veil, the powers of mind are freely, fully available, thus don't need to be discovered. Thus, entities didn't make effort to understand or see. That, the logo I felt, was a problem. Now, (laughs) we have a case where the powers of mind 
not only have been intensively veiled, this is called an intensive veiling, okay? This is, if you, <laughs> if you double the phrase further intensifying the veiling, we have a condition called intense, intensely veiled. So, we're intensely veiled. Mm-hmm. So that's why Earth is such a good training spot, by the way, because we're intensely veiled in this body with the thumb, <laughs> with our verbal communication only, and then with the presence of so many repeaters, then with the presence of the 3D negatives that run every nation, who are themselves repeaters and far from harvestable, meaning failures, pretty much you know evolutionary failures on the negative path as well, and then uh, this pretty straight download of some of Orion's methodology uh, through their proxies, these pretty hopelessly repeating 3D negatives. So the hope, because, you know, 95% serves itself is a big deal. So Orion has a, a crop, grazing a crop of long-term 3D negative repeaters and 3D positive and non-oriented repeaters. Pretty good, huh? So what do you get if you, what do you think you're going to get if you doubly intensify the veil and become, and, and have evolution on a beautiful planet uh, with very intensely veiled consciousness? Well, this is what you get. And what you're going to get here is a crop of souls that will take, will, that eventually will not be able, some portion will eventually not be able to get out of their density at all, in my view. And they'll have to be reabsorbed in Atman. And they'll wring their hands upstairs and say there are no mistakes in the law of one. But yeah, maybe the learning here is, uh, well, if you intensify the veil to this degree, you're going to have no crop of 3D harvestables. Okay? Or, or you're going to lose whole crops, like uh, Agent Smith told Morpheus in the room. So this second veiling by way of opposable thumb... Um, leads to um, the draw, you know, being drawn to uh, tool making, holding, using. The emphasis that functionality, uh, if, uh, if efficaciousness, performance, uh, efficacious performance of that which is needed, you know, necessary performance. The modes of efficacious performance of that which is necessary are physical, right? So, the 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 over again um, leading to an over reliance on physicality for uh, perform for required necessary performance of that which is ne- that which is deemed necessary, rather than um, the tool of mind or using mind to move matter using mind to change the material environment, using physical tools. Again, hands are critical. Mouth is critical. Mouth is critical for communication, 5.2. And that's an interesting point, too, or as well, that um, the total reliance on speech rather than telepathy for communication is a total reliance on 5.2 mouth. The total, near total reliance on physical tool making, holding, using for uh, uh, necessary, for, the, for the, the efficacious, for the efficient, for the necessary performance of tasks 
the necessary performance uh, of requ- of requirements for the life being upon the hands, which is what? Well, the hands represent ultimately uh, 4.1 and 5.1. If we say left leg two, correlates of the limbs to the chakras. Uh, left leg two, right leg three, left arm four, goes into the heart, right? Heart attack on the left side. Left arm four, right arm five, receiving energy through the left, coming out through the right. So the left hand is 4-1, the right hand is 5.1. So 4-1-5-1. So the, the focus of the fourth ray, the, the, the focus of the activity of fourth ray, right? The incarnational 3D space-time performance of fourth ray and fifth ray are called the arms. By way of the legs, second ray and third ray manifest tangibly on the 3D space-time plane. By way of the arms, the fourth ray and the fifth ray tangibly manifests on the 3D space-time plane, particularly the hands. The arms are very... The purpose of the arms is the hands. (laughs) And the purpose of the legs is the feet. There's, there's no value to a leg without a foot. There's no value to arms without feet, without hands. And everything of the arm supports the hands, and everything of the leg supports the feet. So the, left, the feet are 2.1, 3.1. The hands are 5.1, uh, 4.1, 5.1. So in all cases, particularly 4 and 5, the direction of 4 and 5 is significantly down to 1. So not only do we have uh, one of these consequences then of the tool-making bias uh, given or the tool-making capacity conferred by opposable thumb invested into the invested 3D apes, or 2D apes, (laughs) 3D apes is what we see downtown, but the 2D apes invested with spirit complex um, do speech only, was always, twas ever thus. The uh, opposable thumb conferred to those, uh, you know, hominid forms, um, ultimately overemphasize leads to a significant reliance, dependency upon even a certain, uh, very inevitable, quite inevitable overvaluation of four point one, five point one, the hands. Now that also does interpersonality, which is nice. Holding hands, let's hold hands. So by hand. One gets a helping hand, one gives a helping hand, one, um, you know, give a hand, lend a hand. Okay. So, um, again, uh, it's, it, this is not unimportant. <laughs> and yet, uh, in the collective of chronic, you know, 98% chronic repeaters, I mean, that's what we got here, it seems to me. How many of the 3D soul natives here, other, you know, 2% wanderers, let's just be generous, and 98% 3D natives, how many of them is, are, are chronic repeaters? Nearly all? Probably. So within that, um, you know, the, this is uh, the, ga- the dance of the Logos, right? The Logos playing games. The gamesters of Triskelion, uh, or the sector, the gamesters of the sector, um, the Logoi, <clears throat> um, the, ar- the architects, the local architects, um, now have the condition of a very intensive veil 
with a very chronically stuck population. Well, that's what you get here. <laughs> so, uh, but it is a, just an interesting point that tool making favors or leads inevitably the, the reliance on physical hand tool making and using uh, inevitably leads to a overemphasis of 4151 and a direction of the mind downwards. Likewise, the uh, total, near total certainty that, that communication would be mediated by vocal speech, not telepathy, is not only actually a prime, a very high, leads to a very uh, strong emphasis on the mouth, 5.2, but also the ears, and some of the eyes, but, but really speech is mediated by um, mouth and ears, 5.2, 5.5, all right? So what about the mouth? Well, the mouth is two. And so the profound um, binding of second chakra to fifth chakra for communication. The second fifth chakra binding is very tight here, which is a very big deal because to the degree that there's significant second chakra blockage, there's going to be terrible communication within oneself. The fifth ray the ray of free communication. Communication between conscious and subconscious. Then communication between self and other self. And then self and the group or society or the cosmos. So communication as a commune, as a establishing of open of, of communal space, it's actually, you know, commune, commune, the Latin, joint, common, public property, public rights, public places, common feature, the, the commons. The commons is dependent on second ray in this case because second ray is the, the great limit to the degree of uh, knowing. Not only uh, communication with the mouth, but knowing the self, meaning fifth ray, the ray of free communication, self to self and self or conscious to subconscious through the veil and self to other self. Uh, is the only way of establishing commons. The way we establish uh, community, right? Communication, community. Mm-hmm. So human community is based on human communication, which is ultimately very deeply associated with second ray. And it comes out of the mouth, 5.2. And thus, the major limiting factor is the quality of second ray blockage clearance, blockage and or clearance. And so it's a very big deal. Uh, the, a couple of points, um, as I will, the 103.14, Don was asking about card five, the, uh, the significator, significator of mind, I think the hierophant said, um, uh, they were Don, Don was talking. Ask Ra was answering about time and space, or time space, saying that the whole dynamic of time space, which is what's veiled, <laughs> what's veiled from the conscious mind is the subconscious. What the subconscious or the unconscious is quite deeply aware of is what we now call time space. So Ra said, time space is close in this concept complex, meaning this archetype five number five, the hierophant. Uh, time-space is close or is uh, pertinent 
to the significator of mind, right? Because it's very much associated with the degree to which one uh, communicates with the subconscious or knows reality through the veil. Time-space is close, or I'd say pertinent, in this concept-complex archetype. Brought close, or in proximity, due to the veiling process and its efficaciousness in producing actors who wish to use the resources of the mind in order to evolve. <clears throat> so the veiling process is, is indeed efficacious in producing actors, meaning 3D souls, 3D natives, who, quote, you know, you wish to use the resources of the mind in order to evolve. That's, that is coincidental with the purpose of third density. Ross said the purpose of third density or, uh, is to learn the ways of love. To learn the ways of love is to use the resources of mind in order to evolve. To, to learn the ways of love equals to use mind resources to evolve. Those that don't learn the ways of love or those that chronically repeat three density are not using mind resources to evolve, are not learning ways of love. Not learning love equals not using mind resources for evolution. And why? Well, lower triad blockage. Lower triad blockage is the reason that, as far as I can tell, you know, it's one way of explaining it. The energetic aspect. There's the consciousness, qualitative, mind, qualities, tendencies aspect. Then there's the chakra, energy, you know, pranic aspect. And they're the same, of course, you know. Uh, So uh, energy follows thought, highly distorted thought, goes to highly blocked and um, imbalanced and dysfunctional energetics of the the seven chakras and the nadis and the connections and chakra bands and all that. So uh, not not harvesting third density under this very intense veil in the ape body with the opposable thumb with millennia of uh, habituation to uh, hand usage to make my life better. My life is better by making, holding, using tools to do things I need to do. 5141. The mind is naturally directed down. The physical is naturally overvalued. And the quality of the commons or the community, depending on communication, depends extremely on the condition of second chakra or the sense of self because it comes out of the mouth (laughs) or that it comes out of the mouth is an indication of how strongly um, communication is related to second chakra. Now, second chakra is about the sense of self. And uh, in general, nearly everybody has a significantly distorted sense of self. And the salvation of the sense of self is 246. To the extent that they're not you know, using mind resources, not learning ways of love, not learning the inner, but solely, sorely focus on the outer, um, the sense of self remains distorted. Now, closer to the top of the page is the long quote that I read before, 8229, where Ra said, the necessity for graduation to fourth density is an ability to use welcome, and enjoy a certain intensity of the white light of the one infinite creator 
this certain intensity is called green ray. In your own terms, at your space-time nexus, this ability may be measured by your previously stated percentages of service. And that was um, the 50%, 51% service to other uh, required, something like that. Then, Ra goes on, prior to the veiling process, the measurement would be that of an entity walking up a set of your stairs, each of which was imbued with a certain quality of light, the stair upon which an entity stopped would be either third density light or fourth density light. Between the two stairs lies the threshold. To cross that threshold is difficult. There is resistance at the edge, shall we say, of each density. It's actually energy resistant. It, it's actually the seven, the being, the persons, the soul, the person, the entities. Uh, difficulty in uh, moving to a higher quanta of light reception. There's resistance at the edge of each density, or felt by the entity approaching the edge of another density. The faculty of faith or will needs to be understood. Understood means green ray accepted. Nourished and developed in order to have an entity which seeks past the boundary of third density. Those entities which do not do the homework their homework, be they ever so amiable, shall not cross. It was this situation which faced the Logoi prior to the veiling process, being introduced into the experiential continuum of third density, and now the Logoi, with this intensive veiling, is facing a very similar situation once again. So, prior to the veiling, like walking up, up a step, um, having um securely footfall placed placed by foot uh one's next foot upon the higher stair one graduates um the faculty of faith or will needs to be ultimately uh developed that will or faith is six chakra activation the understanding of it um is green ray ac- uh, uh uh, coordination. That's the 246 line. So to go from the common sense of self to a desire for something greater, having some will, having some faith that there is something greater, putting in one's will in behind, in defense of that faith, you know, in defense of the faith. What faith? The faith that I can have a better life. That, 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 uh, I'm unwell, but there's something better possible. That that evolu- there is evolution possible. That this mind can be improved. My my condition can be improved. A better life is possible. A better condition of being or mind experience is possible, and that's the basis of seeking. And for for those at the beginning or those in third density, that's uh, called faith or belief. Uh, for those with experience, then there's knowing. We don't need too much belief. We know increasingly. And whatever we don't know, we have some belief that indeed it's true in accord with our experience. But uh, whether it's uh, faith and hope or belief and experience that's the basis of some knowing that a better life is possible... A better me is possible. This mind can be changed. That implies that I is not only this mind, that I is I is a one who can change this mind. Mm. That's spirit. That's six ray. That's the basis of will. 
some inkling sense that I is a force that can improve this mind. Mm-hmm. I is distinct from mind when the person believes that this mind can be improved. Because that's what's intrinsic to this faith or belief that this mind can be improved. Improved means more well-being. That's all. The, this field of mind can be brightened and clarified and purified and made into a happier place. Somehow, it can be rid of confusion or um, harmful tendencies. That intrinsically is that's based on an intrinsic belief or faith or sense that there's an I greater than mind. That's called spirit complex. That's psychotropic activation. That's the basis of will. And that needs to be developed for harvestability. means there needs to be some six chakra activation for harvestability. How? Well, it's got to be from the lower triad through four, five, up to six. It's one to six. And so uh, the great veiling akin to the diaphragm is... uh, (laughs) I smell some flower. Mm -hmm. A little wafted flower scent. Mm. <laughs> Hello. Uh, a little like Jasmine. Mm-hmm. A local friend. So um, one gets to that six chakra activation mainly by, you know, only, at least in energetic terms, some sufficient clearance of one, two, three, lower triad, to go through four, five to six. And so... Um, the, the path through the, to the Father goes through the Son, no doubt. Can't be in any other way. What's the Son? Well, one understanding of the Son is um, heart chakra, anahata chakra. And so um, the souls we have today heavily veiled in this body, with this brain, uh, over-reliant on handiwork and physicality, for the modes of improving life quality are deficient or, you know, significantly um, inner, uh, inner focused. So they're profoundly outer focused. And so um, that's where we get today. <laughs> and so uh, by way of uh, the, the, the particulars of the veiling here, uh, the establishment of the communes and the community completely depending on quality of understanding communication tied you know coming out of 5.2 and going to 5.5 but depending on mind and depending on second ray is poor (laughs) this is not that Ra talked about anonymity Mm -hmm. how is it that anonymity distraction and sleep the the lead off batter is anonymity, one of the qualities raw defined uh, in uh, as predominant in humanity. The anonymity is the opposite of community, which is uh, not much because of the poor communication, or the communication, the paucity of honesty, meaning significant fifth ray blockage, because of the significant second ray blockage, that. Uh, shows in the mouth because the mouth is the means of communication, speech, 
and the means of establishing community. So there's not much community. There's huge anonymity because the communication is poor. Communication is poor because of the tie to second chakra. Because, and the second chakra is heavily blocked significantly, uh, not only because they keep hurting each other lifetime after lifetime, but also because, I mean, why do they keep hurting each other lifetime after lifetime? <laughs> why do they keep repeating? You know? Well, one reason, at least in this sector, and I, I imagine, yeah, not only this planet, but other planets in the sector of the galaxy have the um, bias towards speech and tool-making, and, and uh, are not telepathic races. Now, some of them may be. Some of them may not be. But uh, the 3D repeaters here, I imagine, are significantly... Certainly, they're in a body that um, overvalues physical function for communication, speech, for improving one's life, tool-making, tool-using physical, you know, outer tool as the way of improving my life, physical speech as the way of communicating and understanding, profoundly profoundly inadequate and uh, tending away from mind development, both tend away from um, inner focus. And thus we have the Dunning-Kruger effect, the false consensus effect, and the self-serving bias, three psychological phenomenon uh, put down by Mr. Wikipedia pretty well, actually. So, as last time, page on Dunning-Kruger effect. Dunning-Kruger effect defined as tendency of people with low ability in a specific area to give overly positive assessments of this ability. It's often understood as a cognitive bias, or a systematic tendency to engage in erroneous forms of thinking and judging. Clearly, it's a distorted judgment, a misunderstanding. Tendency of people with low ability in a specific area, or low ability in any area, to give overly positive assessments of their own ability. Biases are systematic in the sense they occur consistently in different situations. Uh, once a over-self-estimator, always a over-self-estimator. They are tendencies since they concern certain inclinations or dispositions that may be observed in groups of people but are not manifested in every performance, so not always. In the case of Dunning-Kruger effect, which is what we're talking about, this applies mainly to people with low skill in a specific area trying to evaluate their competence within this area. Their systematic error concerns their tendency to greatly overestimate their competence or to see themselves as more skilled than they are. And so, is this not 3D repeaters? Uh, overestimating their capacity to know while there are all these no-go zones and um, un- unreasonabilities, condemnation without investigation. How much is that going on? Aside from people get paid to lie and will not be paid if they don't lie, Aside from the, the the experts who are in that category, not all, but many so-called experts, professionals, will not be paid if they don't lie. They have to lie to keep getting paid. Their career is going to be smashed if they don't lie. Okay, they're paid liars, <laughs> or they're remunerated. 
but aside from that, uh, most people um, just um, th those that are not in that category, um, or if one may not be, or for those who are not, there's still commonly the intellectual types, which are growing, the MAs and the BAs, as they say, uh, con do condemnation without investigation all the time. This is a over, great overestimation of their understanding without being able to see that indeed they are overestimating their understanding. They think uh, investigations are necessary because they already know surely and thus can say, oh, you're an idiot, that's rubbish. Going on, Dunning-Kruger effect uh, from the metacognitive component. Dunning-Kruger effect is the thesis... It's, it's a fact, not a thesis. That those who are incompetent in a given area tend to be ignorant of their incompetence. They lack the metacognitive ability, or the ability, to become aware of their incompetence. This definition lends, to itself as, lends itself to a simple explanation of the effect. Incompetence often includes being unable to tell the difference between competence and incompetence, which is why it's difficult for the incompetent to recognize their incompetence. So, not seeing doesn't recognize its not seeing. Ignorance is truly ignorant because it doesn't recognize its ignorance. So not knowing is significantly, or the heart of the not knowing of anyone or anything, or any time we're not knowing, we are unknowing and incompetent, and not clear and confused sometimes too, or often for some. Uh, we don't know we don't know. We don't know we're confused, we don't know we're mistaken, or we don't know we're not capable. Uh, very common. But there are those that will uh, argue hard um, and can easily be exposed for not having investigated much. And that's different. And so incompetence often includes being able to tell the difference between competence and incompetence. So... Uh, materialists using their opposable thumbs, relying on opposable thumb and uh, sound vibration complex speech, don't know a better way is possible. Don't know telepathy is real and doable. They don't know um, that the greater form of tool making is love wisdom. The greater tool for well-being is love wisdom is green, blue, indigo. The higher triad is the essential tool-making. Make the tools of green, blue, indigo. Develop green, blue, indigo and use them. <laughs> That's uh, functional and useful. So inner response, an inner solution is green, blue, indigo. Developing the inner is the inner solution. Uh, as distinct from the physical tool-making using bias of this body with its opposable ape, ape opposable thumb or opposable ape, apely thumb. So, this is uh, very interesting. Sometimes termed the dual burden account because two burdens compared the lack of skill and the ignorance of the lack. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Of course, that's what not knowing is all about. And so when we don't know, I mean, much, the, the heart of what we, are, we ourselves don't know, we don't know we don't know. So meaning I have biases, you have biases uh, that we don't know. 
and they're very solid because you don't know, you know don't yet know them and so that's you know psychology and therapy self understanding as to make the subconscious conscious to know the previously unknown to know more fully what is currently not well known um i would say you know if it's important it should be known like if one's a wanderer one should know it one can know it maybe no proof but it can be known if one is in distress one knows one should know that one doesn't know and needs to know what's going on if i'm unwell in any significant way when i catch it and go back to the breath or go back to mindfulness or go back to the present moment and come to realize wow i'm not well i really should know what's going on why and how how am i unwell and why and one will find answers absolutely and yet even though they're not final answers they're functional answers so the tool making is turned within so rather than um have your hands out outwardly you know uh, busy holding making fiddling around uh the hands are in the in the lap and folded and hand over palm over palm or they're on the knees and one turns the light within as in meditation so the very uh, meditative gesture or posture the mudra of meditation the mudra of of samadhi well really the mudra the mudra of sadhana the sadhana mudra of practice put put the legs back you know wrap uh, turn the legs back to uh, fold the legs and fold the arms the arms get folded into the lap the legs get folded into the midsection or the lower <clears throat> um i'm not walking i'm not standing and walking on the earth anymore <clears throat> and i'm not really um i'm temporarily not available for holding your hand or taking your hand or making a tool and using a tool uh the light is being turned within <clears throat> and that's simply um not to be not favored by the uh, the nature of this intensive veiling the intense veiling uh doesn't favor inner work <clears throat> and thus we have <laughs> lots and lots of souls who are repeat the density and now they're parasitized and now they're going to die in trauma and regret and um the logo this is what you get when you veil this intensely <clears throat> so i hope the uh, logoi of the sector uh understand what they've wrought and uh, this is what happens when you veil to this intensity got it so then we have something called false consensus effect and from the wikipedia just a second <clears throat> Uh, from wikipedia in psychology <clears throat> the false consensus effect also known as consensus bias is a pervasive cognitive bias bias is particularly cognitive essentially that causes people to quote see their own behavioral choices and judgments as relatively common and appropriate to existing circumstances in other words they assume <clears throat> we assume sometimes that their or our personal qualities characteristics beliefs and actions are relatively widespread throughout the general population it it's basically a form of projection <clears throat> where there's some presumption they're like me 
those leaders couldn't be wicked blood drinkers. They must be incompetent. They couldn't be that evil. A lie couldn't be that big. So many couldn't be so guilt, you know, so uh, greedy <clears throat> and um, dishonest as to perpetrate this big lie. They couldn't be that way. Wrong. You might not be that way, but things can be not as we imagine them. Things can be quite different in reality than we imagine them. Because we've presumed <clears throat> that what we know inwardly is the way things are outwardly or uh, others are. We can presume the world is as we would make it or as we want to see it. I want to believe. I don't want to believe. And that's just one more of a misunderstanding where we have, we have a whole raft of presumption, uh, assumption, believing we know when in fact we don't. Or believing our answer is a full a full accounting when it, it's only partial. <clears throat> we don't know what we don't know. Absolutely. And so false consensus is basically this presumption that the outer is, the, is as the inner. The outer group, the outer other person. So interestingly, second paragraph here, uh, this false consensus is significant because it increases self, it's, it's significant for many reasons. <laughs> it's, this is just some guy writing it, <clears throat> but it's very useful despite you know countless minor errors. The fall, this false consensus is significant because it increases self-esteem over confidence effect. It can be derived from a desire to conform and be liked by others in a social environment. This bias is especially prevalent in group settings where one thinks the collective opinion of their own group matches that of the larger population. Since the members of the group reach consensus and rarely encounter those who dispute it, in-group bias, they tend to believe that everybody thinks the same way. The false consensus effect is not restricted to cases where people believe that their values are shared by the majority, but it still manifests as an overestimate of the extent of their belief. So not restricted to cases where people believe that their values are shared, but an overestimating of the degree to which this belief is shared. So an overestimation, there's a mistaken estimation of the other. <clears throat> the other person, the other group. It's mistaken by way of <laughs> second, third chakra blockage and a lack of, of free communication, fifth chakra activation of knowing oneself as the basis for not knowing the other. If you don't know the other, it's because you don't know yourself. How I don't know you is just how I don't know me. In the ways of I not knowing you, I doesn't know itself. I and I is unwell, and it manifests as I uh, and I not knowing you. And so, assuming that the inner is shared by the outer, uh, uh, no, assuming that my group, the views of my group are shared by the other group or others, um, <clears throat> they believe that, that it, there's, there's a little problem with this view that um, members of the group that rarely encounter those who dispute it tend to believe everybody thinks the same way. Well, every religion has the view that every other religion is wrong or deficient 
or mistaken severely. So it's not always the case that people in groups view that everybody out in the out group, out of the beyond the group, thinks the same way. But it's a very common problem for wanderers to think that others are like us or spiritually minded people or seekers or those who want to develop green blue indigo, those who know about reincarnation and afterlife and higher dimensions and soul and path and God and source and, and uh, uh, final awakening. <clears throat> uh, very severely underestimate the ignorance of, of the materialist views of the people around. And now it's apocalypse. And so at the apocalypse, all revealing, uncovering, unveiling is happening. Not all of it, but increasing continual revelation. Continual apocalyptos. And so um, we may well be seeing more clearly just how others around us really do think. And what we are commonly finding is they don't think the way we thought they thought. They are commonly found, others are commonly found, to be um, more divergent from our thinking than we imagined. Some people, we find, are more in harmony with our thinking. Right and wrong is another matter. (laughs) We always assume that our thinking is right as well. That's another bias that is uh, not, uh, you know, uh, not knowing or not knowing, like Dunning-Kruger. <clears throat> we don't know that we don't know, and so um, we don't know uh, the degree to which we have made presumptions about mm-hmm. others that are incorrect. Uh, you know, presumption is basically assessment or conclusion without investigation. It can be correct. You know, you can get an intuitive hit. You can come to knowing without thinking, of course. There can be truth without proof. There is truth without proof. Some matters are true without ever without needing to be proven. True, you know, <laughs> reality doesn't depend on human process, by the way. And so human process normally obscures reality. And the highest human process of green, blue, indigo is to make sat clear, to return to sat. <clears throat> sat chit, the awareness of sat, reality as it is. And that goes through green, blue and goes through green, blue, indigo. And that's uh, seeking to be clear uh, and free of mistake, of mistaken view, of wrong view. Uh, and so we commonly presume that others are like us, we may presume that others are not like us. And the way we will presume to the extent that we don't know ourselves. When you know yourself really well, you will know that knowing is difficult and subtle. Subtle and difficult. And so deep knowing is difficult and subtle. Thus, knowing others is difficult and subtle. And so the mind is vast, and knowing is... Um, a challenge. So when you know how mm, how subtle deep self-knowing is, you won't leap to presumptions about others. But we do have assumptions and presumptions about others. And now much is being revealed that was hidden. So, interesting here, this first line, the false consensus is significant 
because <laughs> it's significant because of many things. Uh, one reason I'd say I agree it's significant is because it increases self-esteem. Does it? <clears throat> it temporarily increases self-esteem. This sense that um, my choices, my judgments, my way, my thinking, my view is relatively common and also appropriate, meaning it's right. Not only common, but right. My view is right. My view is widely held. Or my view is not widely held, but my view is right. It might be right. It's surely partial. It might be right in its partiality. It's limited. My limited understanding, my understanding, which I understand to be limited, is true. I know it's not complete, but it's partial. It's a truth that explains the matter partially. No problem. That sounds good to me. So you may think, I'm right and they're wrong. It's a matter of presuming I'm right. Presuming they're the same. Or presuming they're different. Don't presume. As uh, Felix Unger said, I think it was Felix, when you assume you make an ass of you and me. Similar, uh, presumption is... um, you know, the heart of sankara, of, of samskara, um, sankara, samskara, fourth skanda, fabrication, <laughs> fermentation, thought, mental, emotional, thought, form, uh, creation, imaginings, uh, mental construct, concept, kalpana, all of that is heavily um, fraudulent. It may be useful, but it's still maya. It's still anichanatadoka. So, uh, the false consensus presumption that my choices, my judgments, my way, the way I think things are, is both common and correct. Appropriate to existing circumstances is another way of saying right and good and correct. That, yes, indeed, temporarily increases self-esteem. And then right after the phrase increases self-esteem, in parentheses it says overconfidence effect. Well, that's weak. That isn't real self-esteem. That's increases second chakra blockage. Any um, boosted self, any boost to self-esteem based on falsehood is a strengthening of lower tra- of second chakra blockage, and thus a weakening of true knowing. More second chakra blockage, more fifth chakra blockage, uh, more uh, trouble coming out of the mouth, less free communication, uh, less understanding, less community, more anonymity, um, more distress and dismay and dukkha. And so second chakra blockage does not conduce to harvestability. It doesn't conduce to true confidence. Confidence is, you know... Confidence is a funny word. I know my strengths and weaknesses, buddhi. I know how busy the mind is, buddhi. I know I is not this mind, hmm. jivatman. <laughs> so that that's confidence, but it's not confidence and identity. How can you be? Uh, how can one? You know, the role, the the, the nature of confidence in non-duality. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nature of confidence from jhana. 
What is that confidence? Well, it's not confidence in identity. It's not, it's not identity-based confidence. It's actually sat-based uh, wellness, sat-based upekka, uh, equanimity and peace based in knowing, based in some relative freedom. And that's well-known, it's called having the Dharma eye or uh, having the look of Suttapanna. There are many instances in the Pali Canon where one bhikkhu looks at another bhikkhu and says, Friend, your, eye, your face looks so bright and radiant. What has happened? And he said, you know, I have realized the Dharma. Oh, you have the Dharma eye. Yes, the Dhamma eye. Yes, yes. And that's a confidence. But it's really well-being, and it's not tied to any belief in identity. All right. So, can be derived from a desire to conform and be liked by others. Also second chakra blockage. So if you don't, you know, recognize the damage, the damage to self-esteem, unworthiness complex, low self-value, pervasive self-blame, self-punishment, self-judgment, so-called negative self-talk, low self-esteem. If one doesn't notice that, recognize that, and bring love and understanding and forgiveness to that, it remains. And if it act, when it acts, it makes more second chakra blockage and damage self-esteem. The only way, um, you know, and so there's the Dunning-Kruger effect metaphysically. Uh, this, the, to the extent that one has damaged self-esteem, one can't ra- recognize one has damaged self-esteem because of the fifth ray blockage that comes from the second ray blockage. So to the extent that one has a very significantly damaged sense of self, particularly the, the collapsed version, right? There's inflated, deflated, and erased as three versions of self-esteem, distorted self-esteem, right? Inflated is uh, convex um, superiority complex, arrogance, vanity, pride, which is very common these days among the educated, the MAs and the PhD, the, the, all the educated, Commonly, it's very common to have uh, inflated uh, s- s- sense of self. This is all, this is actually um, <laughs> second chakra blockage. By the way, <laughs> superiority complex is an inferiority complex. They're the same because <clears throat> a distortion polarity is the nature of distortion. A distortion is all polarized. Polarity is distortion. Distortion is polarity. Any psychological complex that is a neurosis or a psychosis or a mistaken assessment or a deviation from reality, a false assessment of self or other or a pattern or, you know, something that's mistaken is, uh, comes out in a polarized way or the, the conscious manifestation has a, a generally a subconscious, uh, polarized complement. So, the super arrogant, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the military general who kicks ass all day and then goes to the brothel at night to be beaten, to be whipped as a submissive. <laughs> every dominant is a submissive. Every submissive is a dominant. Every super arrogant um, has deep self-doubt. Every, every, every highly presumed, high, highly presumptive person has profound doubt under those, the edifice of presumption very common very common so uh then third paragraph <clears throat> this is called the catalog of human distortion additionally 
When confronted with evidence that a consensus does not exist, meaning they don't think like you do or they're different than you, people often assume, back to assumption, that those who do not agree with them are defective in some way. You must be wrong. You must be a fool. You must, that, that can't be true. I can't, it can't be true. That's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> you tool maker. You opposable thumb. There's no single cause for this cognitive bias, of course. There's no single cause for anything. The availability heuristic, uh, the self-serving bias, and naive realism have been suggested as at least partial underlying factors. And so, um, and this says maintenance of the cognitive bias may be related to the tendency to make decisions with relatively in- little information. Maintaining the status quo of relatively little information, remaining remaining significantly uninformed, maintains neurosis, maintains wrong view, maintains presumption, maintains lower triad blockage, maintains dishonesty, the paucity of honesty, maintains Blu-ray blockage. So information is critical. It's called learning. <clears throat> learning, growing, helping. The purpose of incarnation, significantly, uh, to learn, to grow, to help, to learn the ways of love, to use the resources of mind to seek, to seek to make one's life better, essentially, not simply materially, and not predominantly materially, but predominantly inwardly, predominantly to use the resources of mind to uh, know the self, to become more more well, more um, of that which is really important, that which we take with us, right? The survival of our humanity, <clears throat> integrity, uh, virtue, ahimsa, harmlessness, kindness, a good heart, morality, virtue, and then wisdom, clarity, discernment, and uh, our awareness of reality, to whatever extent we have an awareness, to grow that too. And so this um, tendency to make decisions with relatively information, little information, nearly everyone does that. We do it. I do it sometimes. So it's important to know where you're at. <laughs> Wherever you are, know where you're at. And inevitably, most of it we won't know. We can't know. But we can increasingly know <clears throat> what seems to be important. We can identify, this I think is important. And I think I know a little. And I, I feel it's really important to know more. And so <clears throat> um, we, we need to get beyond the bases of the cognitive bias of presuming and assuming. that uh, Presuming, assuming anything, <laughs> you know? Like, don't, don't, don't expect what you want. Expect reality, right? Expect what's likely. And recognize, therefore, that what you want may or may not be likely. What you think may or may not be true. It may be true. It's certainly partially true at best. <clears throat> but don't expect what you want. Don't expect what, you're, what you dread. So I'm not going to expect what I dread. I'm not going to expect what I love. 
I'm going to expect based on realistic assessment. That requires information, and that requires an open mind, and that requires some freedom from these these bases of a continuance of this uh, consensus effect or or bias. So here is something called the availability heuristic. Hey, hey. A mental shortcut that relies on immediate examples that come to a given person's mind when evaluating a specific topic, concept, method, or decision. So a mental shortcut of reliance upon what is readily available to explain or answer or make sense of something. Um, Like um, I say, they never landed on the moon. We. And the moon is an artificial satellite brought in by the Confederation to balance orbital patterns in the solar system. You must be a freak and a fool. Maybe the uh, cognitive, maybe the response of some people with uh, operating under the availability heuristic. That's the easy thing. The e- the line of least resistance is to um, do the ad hominem attack. So the ad hominem attack, attack the person, is. Um, most readily available for many people in uh, attack <clears throat> of that which they don't want to investigate or that which creates cognitive dissonance for them or uh, in a case where they just don't want to face something or look into it. All right, But more common is something called the self-serving bias. You can say that 3D repeaters are all trapped in the self-serving bias. Uh, the reason for non-harvesting of those that are positively oriented, goodly, essentially, the reason they don't harvest or graduate is because they se- they're too self-serving. They're not self-offering enough. And what are they serving? They're serving distortion. They're serving <laughs> mistake or deluded, decept- you know, the, the, a false sense of, of, of self. So self-serving bias here defined is... Any cognitive or perceptual process that's distorted by the need to maintain and enhance self-esteem or the tendency to perceive oneself in an overly favorable manner. And so that's what we're going to look into next is this self-serving bias. And this is actually, I would say, critical because it really, I'd say, appends to what I consider the primacy of second chakra blockage as the root blockage. Second ray is not root, I know. But the root of consciousness is second ray. The root of identity is second ray. First chakra is life. Seventh chakra is infinity, source of life. Or infinity, the nature of life. L-I-F-E. So while life or prana, kundalini, shiva shakti, all of... uh, All prakriti starts with the root chakra, prana, pranic entrance to the seven, intelligent energy, as life, um, light, life, the life that manifests as light. Second ray is the beginning of of identity and self-consciousness. And that goes through six. So two through six are the chakras of consciousness, of identity. Identity starts in two, ends at the end of six. And so the root of our problems is second chakra blockage, is in my view, not first, second. 
And those that come from third come from second. <laughs> blockages of third are base and second. And blockages in second are inevitable. Inevitable. But this is a metaphysical basis of the self-serving bias. What, what here psychology calls a self-serving bias um, is based, I think, in the fact that um, second chakra blockage damage to self-esteem damaged, wounded self-esteem. Damaged equals wounded. The resolution is healing. The nature of that is an energy blockage clearing. Uh, That primary work is second ray. Forever, ever. (laughs) For the human. So, defined as cognitive or perceptual process, it's cognitive. (laughs) Distorted by the need to maintain and enhance self-esteem. Who's not, who's free of the need to maintain and add self-esteem? Anybody? No one with a self is free of a desire to maintain and enhance that identity of self, that self. Self Self-esteem is a positive uh, valuation to self. Esteem is um, pleasant steam. Uh, E-steam, like a E-currency is a positive valuation to self. Self-esteem is how you think of yourself or your sense of yourself. So enhanced self-esteem is positive sense of self. Positive sense of self is rests on, is inevitable, um, based on the need or desire of a beingness that conceives itself as a being to maintain its sense of being. Nobody's free of identity till they go out of uh, Atman. Only Atman is free enough to drop identity. And so dropping identity is beyond um, a basic understanding that I is uh, not this mind. Surely I is not this body. I'm not the body. Well, I is not the mind. Now, you can't really know that unless you have some breakthrough, unless you have some kind of satipanna, Paranormal experience, some, even an experience of the higher jhanas can help, but they're not the same. Meaning higher formalist jhanas, one can come to Satipana by, by a higher jhana, for sure. It's called uh, wet, the wet path, as opposed to non-jhana uh, insight. <clears throat> but uh, jhana can lead to insight, non-jhana can lead to jhana, uh, uh, not yana, jhana, meaning... Uh, higher trance of the trances, the uh, eight absorptions in Buddhism, the f- infinity of space, perception of infinity of space, perception of infinity of consciousness, uh, infinity of consciousness, perception of nothingness, the jhanas uh, five, six, seven. Those trances, and you know the word, it's very interesting. <laughs> Actually, <clears throat> I bet nobody knows this, and I didn't know it for decades. The Japanese word Zen came from the Chinese word Chan came from the Sanskrit Sanskrit word dhyana, D-H-Y-A-N-A. And the Sanskrit word dhyana comes from the Pali word yana, or jhana, jhana actually, jhana. So jhana in Pali becomes dhyana in Sanskrit, goes to chan in Chinese, and goes to zen in Japan. So Zen Buddhism, chan Buddhism, is jhana Buddhism. Aha. So Buddhism... 
of uh, developing meditation uh, to the jhanas. And with some contact, some experience of the jhanas, one definitely can then uh, move, can have insight dawn. Or not. But the insight that's critical is um, identity is fraudulent. <laughs> fraudulent identity. That, that I is neither body nor mind, and I is not even will. I is the source of will. Spirit complex, pure consciousness. I, even uh, Vijnana is born of Avidya, said Gautama. So even consciousness, Fitzkanda, subjectivist consciousness, Vijnana, is born of Avidya, ignorance. Yeah, so uh, without Avidya, out of the octave, out of Sankara, Samskara, or uh, actually out of um, Samsara. So there are a lot of words here. There's Samsara, the round of birth and death, Seven dimensions, thirty-one planes, samsara. There's sankara, which is an which is the uh, uh, sankara, s-a-n. Sankara is the Pali of the Sanskrit sanskara, which is the fourth skanda, which is the five heaps, which is the basically thought uh, thought form producing function, the fabricating function of thought, thought feeling, mental concept, mental constructions. <clears throat> but only those that are out of the whole round of birth and death are, are able to realize that that all identity is fashioned and thus um, illusory. And what I is, um, is indefinable. You know, I is Achinteya too. That doesn't mean Scott. <laughs> it means the, the, the one, the, the nature of the life force that speaks through us, through any of us. Through the, the true man without rank, as Lynchy would say, it's indefinable. So, of course, we all have a self-serving bias, and it's uh, the need to maintain and enhance self-esteem. It's the need to maintain identity, <laughs> essentially, and of course, that identity would be positively affected or positively um, colored. The sense of a positive sense of self even when it's, I hate myself. And so that's the polarity of uh, conscious self-hatred, self-loathing, and some kind of inner pride and arrogance. The arrogance of self-hatred. It'll be commonly found that those who are um, loudly, publicly demonstrating their self-hatred, their wretchedness, I want everyone to see how wretched I am are inwardly arrogant and proud. Very common. So there's essentially always going to be some kind of um, desire to maintain a positive uh, sense to identity. And then below that is even the desire to maintain the sense of identity. That's only finished much later. So that'll be it for today. I see it's almost one twenty. So, and I'm missing my lunch. So, thank you for listening so long. I hope it's been useful, and um, it's very heavy material. Next time we'll look further at self-serving bias and um, perhaps wrap it all up at that point. So, thank you again. Take good care of yourselves, and good night.